This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us is here. And now, here's your host. And we are back. This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. And welcome to another heated edition because it is that summer. It is that summertime. Once again, welcome to the Summer Seminar Series, where we hope to unpack some of those critical things, those critical ideas that will help us bring us closer to the game. And joining me is somebody who, honestly, when you look at the offensive line and you think about what it means to be an offensive athlete, there's no doubt in my mind that Mr. Taylor Boggs comes to mind. Taylor is part of the O-line or offensive line performance. He was a former NFL player, played in college. Taylor, welcome to the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I appreciate it. Good to be back here. Yeah, I mean, just said back here, which is right, because last year, around this same time, you really did bring us closer to the game when discussing the offensive line athlete. And I wanted to kind of maybe unpack that a little bit more in this episode. And in this year's edition, we're focusing on the player problem solver paradigm, which which is really something that is essentially looking to look at players on the football field, not in terms of their physical traits, but in terms of the problems that they're asked to solve on the field of play, the types of problems that they're expected to engage in on Saturday or on Sunday and what that really means. What do those problems look like? What is What are the spacing difficulties, the timing? What is it like to play in unison with another teammate? Do we, do we understand his abilities? And does that, does that engage, does that allow us to maybe use certain abilities of our own differently? All these questions are swirling this summer, Taylor. And I was wondering if you could take us inside the trenches to the offensive line athlete and that position and talk about some of the nature of the, some of the problems that, that they're faced with. I mean, your experiences are invaluable. I turn the table over to you. Yeah. See, uh, that's awesome. I love talking O-line. I've never been a huge football fan, but I love watching O-line. You know, I only watch, I only really enjoy watching the coaches copy so I can just focus on that end zone of the O-line. I'm not really interested in anything else. Um, you know, you kind of when you're talking about some of the things like with uh, knowing what your person next to you can do and, you know, be, working well as a group, uh, you kind of touched or uh, touched on that with the when you're on that introduction. It makes me think of like that AAF league, uh, this past league that ended up closing down. It was a really fun league to watch. I actually caught a couple games live in Arizona and I thought the offensive line got a you know, undeservingly a lot of scrutiny for their performance. And I was like, you know, these, this offensive line on these teams, they didn't get an OTA or a spring ball and a training camp uh, or, and a time to get in fights with each other and uh, time to hang out and go get O-line dinners and stuff. They literally showed up for a week, a few weeks of training camp and played a game. And it's a lot more difficult than that. You know, it takes time to kind of build those relationships, build that trust, understand their strengths, understand those, those weaknesses, being able to communicate well, understanding what offenses they've been in, you know, so it takes time like that offensive line, that, that part gets underappreciated in my opinion, you know, the best O-lines I've been with, were the closest groups, you know, and uh, communicated the most on and off the field. 
And you know what? I mean, a couple of things that you just mentioned there, and I think these are some of the things that we don't get a chance uh, as fans or maybe on the outside to talk about. And I'm interested to what degree they do play a role. And maybe you can give me some insight. You talked a lot about dinner and relationships and communication as being a really important thing on the field. To what degree does that really show up in a game when you're actually sitting there, you know, in the moment, it's, you know, third and three or it's third and long. Like where do those relationships, those dinners, those those conversations come in in terms of communication? What does that really afford you to do in those moments? Okay, so I'll say this. Like for one, like when things get hard, we go to a safe place, right? So you have to have, you know, an offensive line, you know, it's not the position that, you know, I think what Michael Irvin said, it's really easy, but it's a very extremely difficult position. There's nothing natural about it. You don't take a pass set when you're running from a lion. You know, there's just nothing going on. There's something we normally do. So, you know, when things get hard, we're going to look for safe mode. It's good that you can have one of your brothers or sisters, you know, as offensive line athlete, you know, it's a woman and men's sport to lean on when you get hit in the mouth or, you know, when you're tired or if, hey, someone's just beating you, like knowing like, hey, when this I'm struggling with this three-take and you know that center is going to come over and clean them up because, you know, we want to win. But also, I'm not going to let my boy out here struggle like that. They're going to have to pay for that. You know, so th- this that's huge in it. Um, and the better, in my experience, the better you have those friendships and relationships, the better you tend to communicate on the field. And that's why I love offensive line, like especially at the college level. You're taking guys from all different walks of life, different socioeconomic backgrounds, religions, ethnicities. You put them in a room. They become friends. And they have this great communication on the field. And uh, that plays a huge role. So, you know, like, hey, I'm – I can't set this guy deep right now. You know, I'm struggling with bull rush. Maybe I'm going to jump set right now. And you telling that, you know, putting yourself in a vulnerable position to another athlete, like say, hey, I'm struggling. I'm going to jump set right now because this bull rush is too much. You have to be comfortable to talk to people like that. So you're comfortable with the person next to you. They go, okay, you're jump set. Cool. I'm going to jump set too. So we're on the same page. And it's not easy to be like with a guy you don't really know well. Hey, I'm getting my butt whooped right now. And uh, uh, can you take the same set as me? You're going to be more. You're going to be more willing to do that and kind of put yourself out there with someone that you're close with. And you know, and and to even unpack that further, if we actually go down to let's say that opportunity where you had to jump set or you had to be vulnerable, are you as an athlete at the offensive line position making some of those choices and decisions with the other players' capabilities in mind? Is that even coming into play? Does that exist, the idea that you're aware of what the capabilities of the players around you are when you're making some of those decisions? Yeah, so, I mean, me personally, a career backup, I have very few starts, you know. Um, I had to be aware of what the starters' strengths were. You know, I played with tackles that only jump set. Me, I don't like to jump set. I hate it. But I know that if I go in, I, I like to play my game. You know, I don't play the defender. I just get to my spot and I get in a fight. That's how I like to look at it. I like to keep it as simple as possible. I'm not the most blessed athlete in the world. And me just saying, hey, get your So, but if I'm playing with the starter and he's getting paid a lot of money and his game is, hey, he's playing aggressive, he's going to jump set or short set or however you want to word it. I have to play to that level too. I have to match it because we have to be on the same page. If I'm out there taking my normal set and some uh, at left guard and my left tackle is jump setting, 
we're going to get picked in TEs and ETs, and we're going to be on different levels, and it's not going to look pretty. So I go, okay, I have to get out of my comfort zone and change my game up. And the same thing, like, if I go in and if I went in as a backup and I was a complete mismatch, maybe uh, that center would say, hey, we know he's the backup. Uh, let me – I'm going to try to put this mic point towards him so I can slide his way, you know, so I could give him some extra help. You know, not because I don't think he could do it. It's because I want to give him the best opportunity to play well as a backup, you know. But, yeah, you have to you have to be aware of what – the people's strengths and limitations are around you. It's a huge part of the game. And and you know what? Just to kind of even continue to build off of that, I loved how you said, you know what? Sometimes it's just about getting into a fight. And even, I, I wonder, Taylor, does it ever stop being a fight though? I mean, and I mean that not because I'm I'm trying to probe into something that it's not. I'm just asking a general question. I wonder, is it ever not a fight when you're down there in those trenches, in those moments when you're actually, you know, backs against the wall, it might be a long pass set. It might be, a, it might be something like a running, you know, running play. Is there ever a point where it's not a fight? I can't speak to how for everyone on this, but for me, like, and at what we even at OLP, what we do, we really try to dumb this thing down. And, um, you know, I'll give a little story. When I got in the league, in the NFL, you know, if you're playing a tough or, or a really tough defender, it's like, hey, this guy's good. Um, we'll give you some help. Don't worry about it. As Over the years, it's got more to all about the defender. Hey, you're playing this guy this week. Let me just show you this highlight film of how good he is and show you, show you what you're going to have to go against. And they make it real hard, and they make it all about the defender, and they forget, like, hey, what about us, you know, as offensive line athletes? So, for me, when I hear that and I watch – a tape of a guy, um, you know, if a guy had six sacks, I would just, they show me a film of all his six sacks to be like, this is what you're in store for this week. I have to dumb it down for me. I have to say, you know what? Okay. He's a, he's a guy that's going to be on the, that I'm going to meet on the spot I'm getting to, or he's a guy that's going to be playing on the angle I'm running through. And I just get in a fight. And for me, that's what it works. And to me, yes, it is always a fight, you know, whether it's, the thing with myself to keep telling myself, hey, just play your game. He has to beat you or the physical fight, me for that defender. Oh, so I so let me ask you this as we kind of because, again, I, I think what's so interesting about that. And I like the way you said play your game. I like the way you were referring to the idea of, um, you know, get into a fight. I'm wondering and, I, and my question is, is that. Is it always an engagement that's constantly emerging, a problem that's always changing for you when you're engaging another player? In other words, it's never going to be the same rep after rep. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, more in the interior offensive line, it's less of a chess match. I mean, it definitely is. Like, you have smart defenders, and they go, okay, I'm going to set them up a few times. I mean, on the, on the, the tackle side, it, it very much is a chess match. But for that interior, it's um, the best way I put it. I remember it was like my third or fourth year. And um, I just started, I prior had been just a backup center. And now I was the swing guy in the interior. And we were playing Seattle. And I was like, hey, uh, I asked my friend, um, well, Manny Ramirez, who's an amazing person, amazing mentor, amazing pro, played 10 years, just awesome all around. I was like, hey, how are you going to set Michael Bennett? And I was like, you're not going to jump 
than Amari because Mike because Manny was a very aggressive player. He jump set that was his game, and I was like, "You're not going to jump set Michael Bennett, are you?" And he was like, "Yeah, I'm going to jump." I was like, "But why? He might swim you." And I came up with all these things, and he was like, "No, no, no, no. He's got to beat me at what I'm good at. I'm good at jump sets, so I'm going to jump set." And he was like, "You don't like jump sets, so if you get in, set him the way you like to." So um, to that point, like, yeah, it's more of just in that interior. You know, I can speak to that more. It is more less of a chess match. Um, there's more. There's just more noise going on there. It's more of a you know constant engagement. There's slides. There's more double teams. That outside stuff. What they have going on out there. You know, uh, those DNs just talking and listening to them. You know, they will. You know, kind of work it where they're not playing as hard. Maybe it's not a fight, but they're just trying to set something up for maybe the third quarter in the first quarter. So, but in the inside, it's a little different. It is more engagement. So, and I think that's so interesting. I mean, when you, when you take that now, if we kind of take this discussion and this kind of lens that you have on the offensive line, this kind of almost uh, controlled chaos kind of going on where and how do other factors kind of play into the way engagements unfold, whether it be, you know, down distance score, do those things come into play in terms of how maybe your intention on a particular play call might change? So if it, if it's like a third and three in a tight game and you know, we really need this first down to, to maintain the drive, does that add a different layer of kind of, uh, of, uh, let's say, intensity to the engagement that's about to ensue or is it or is it or is it something where you're just trying to stay on your feet because everybody's tired too i mean because that's fair too i think in some ways yeah that's a really good question so and i haven't really thought of it like that way so i as a backup you know i'm a i every year in the camp i came in as a number three no matter what team i was on even if i made the team the year before i for whatever reason i'd start as a number three and have to work my way to two and to make the 53. So every rep for me, it had to be all out. That's practice included. Like it had to be, you know, I, I had to play game reps all day. So the, not necessarily like, oh, this is a critical or crucial moment would turn up my intensity. Things that would maybe change is, hey, we're in empty right now. Uh, this team likes to run a lot of pressures. Uh, I'm going to have to set, maybe I'll change my uh, stance that's more conducive for me to set real deep. So I can see this blitz that's coming from the other side. I can get a little more space. I'll, I'll get a little pre-snap alignment where I'm off the center a little more so I can, uh, you know, just get that little pre-snap space. Or, hey, if I'm at center and it's uh, third and long uh, and it looks like they're going to run a TT or I know that's what they do, I might, I might have a stagger at center. So I would do things like that. There are situations in the game that would change, but not to me every moment, even in – I just just the way maybe I was wired, like, you know, I I was on JV as a junior in high school. So my senior year, like I had a lot to prove uh, when I finally made varsity. And then in college, like I didn't make my team the first year I went to Humble State. So all those plays, I always had a lot to prove. And then and then being a camp body and I made it out of camp um, several times on the 53, made it out alive, so to speak. So. I always was – it was game reps. So, I, it every you know, it was always critical for me. Even if I'm taking a knee, it'd be like, hey, I don't want them to push me back just in case they're trying. You know what I mean? So, yeah, there, there's definitely things that did change how I play, but not the intensity. 
Yeah, and and I think that's a really wonderful thing that you alluded to there. You alluded to a couple things in terms about how even you would vary certain elements of your stance or even certain elements of maybe the the type of approach or angle you might take on a particular player. Is that something that is frequently changing or being affected rep to rep? Is that something that you may be doing um, as the play unfolds? Are offensive line athletes constantly kind of keeping their mind and body in that moment and changing maybe as the play unfolds or even as the next play unfolds? Are we, is it really that active in engagement? Because the way I see it, it seems like the the narrative is rep after rep, there's a technical model to how you should move. And that technical model of movement doesn't really ever change. There's a right way and a wrong way. But it sounds like that's there's more gray area there. Is, is that fair? Yeah. So in, in regards to proper movement and efficient movement and effective movement, there is a base set of principles. It is putting, you know, it is rooted in starting with a proper stance, understanding how to put force to the ground. Um, you know, if I want to go right, I'm putting force to the ground with my left leg. I don't use language like uh, kick slide or take a step. Kick slide where you know, what I envision is you really kick your leg and then you slide your foot and that goes against all, you know, uh, uh, proper uh, knowledge of proper movement and based in biomechanics and physics. It has to start with force. I don't use words like step because it's too passive because, you know, we're supposed to, you know, if a defender's told to fire, fire off the ball and the offensive line athletes told to take a six inch step, we already sound it always puts us into like a bad position. I'm like, it just sounds weaker right there. So I think we're athletes too. So I always say drive, I put force to the ground. So yeah, the principles of movements are all rooted, you know, well, it's all, all movement is rooted in some fundamental principles and that doesn't change. But yes, in regards to like, Hey, I, I need to get deeper. I need to stay more square or, um, you know, uh, I don't want to get picked in this game. So those kind of things play to play. It does change your angle. Um, you know, even the type of pass rusher you have, like that changes your angle. Like you're not going to set Haloti Nada the way you're going to set. Well, see, I'm naming, I'm naming retired players, but you're not going to set Haloti Nada the way you set Michael Bennett, or you would set. Uh, so in Tampa, you would, or let's just say you're not going to set Aaron Donald um, the same way you would set a giant uh, plug two gapper. You know, so those those kind of things change. Your angles do change. Um, the run game, you know, is pretty much stays constant, but you know, even the angle uh, dependent on where that defender lines up. So even that part can change. You know, a three tech that's really tight versus a slightly loose tech, uh, three tech, the angle changes. You know, and then you start seeing some weird packages. Maybe they put you got four DNs in right now. They took the three techs out. Like I'm a little different. I'm gonna set deeper because I know that there's probably some some crap going on here. You know, and maybe I'm less worried about that bull rush of a D end. No, and I and I think that's fantastic. I mean, I, I think we can't overstate how a lot of what you just said there was really interesting because I think it sounds like we're so certain at times as to the the if then statements that should guide our actions. Yet you just painted a, a variety of statements where. There's always little nuances and changes that are happening, even within the game itself and even from moment to moment. And I think that's really fascinating. And I like that you use the word principles because, again, you're not saying hard, fast rules. You're saying principles that kind of guide movement. And there's these are kind of like guardrails 
kind of for how movement should exist. Yeah. And it's, and, and I, and I love that that's kind of the way you framed it. And I, and I'm going to ask you another question. Maybe you could take us inside for a moment, the offensive line performance kind of, kind of arena, and maybe talk a little bit about how is it that when you're dealing with athletes, how do you think the way in which you frame the task, does that have any impact on the quality of movement that you get from the player? How, so, I mean, the first thing with any athletes, like you, you start with education, like you got to start very slow. So athletes are, they'll get themselves in good ones. If you get them understanding what we're trying to accomplish. So you want you, now you know how to move and let's say, Hey, I want you to take, I want you, we have a target on this defender. I want you to drive your hips through that defender's outside number. So once you're able to frame that, it makes it real simple. Like, okay, well, here's I got my good stance. I don't get on this angle where I'm able to, uh, you know, get my hips through this outside number. And it's like, hey, it's a pass set. I want you to get knee to crotch relationship. And no matter where that defender lines up, if it's a, if you're a right guard and it's a tight three, a loose three, a four eye, or if it's a five, some for some odd reason, you go, okay, I know how to move, and I have to get knee to crotch. And that's it. So you're like, okay, they got wider. I guess I'm going to have to set deeper to get my knee to their crotch. So, yeah, you frame the task like with, you know, those simple cues. Hey, I want you to own this angle. Take your hips through his his inside number. And, you know, you'll see athletes are way smarter than you think. Uh, offensive line athletes, unfortunately, and I was coached this way, uh, it's very robotic. And it's, hey, uh, I need you to take a six-inch by two-step. And okay, well, the defender is now wider. It doesn't matter. You take a six inch by two step and you do that. And you're like, well, I'm not really sure where I'm trying to get here. But even like, hey, there's the defender. Here's your aiming point, And that's the angle. Whatever angle you got to take to own that or drive your hips through that aiming point, just do that. It makes it way much more simple. And it's really – that's why uh, at OLP we just say there's eight angles of offensive line play. Um just dumb it down and we go there's a the the angles vary to a degree you know and but the defender's on that angle and you drive through them or you the defender's on that angle and you get your knee to his crotch to keep it simple that way no and and i think that i i think that that's such a again forgive me if i if i disagree with you i don't think you guys dumb it down i think you guys are opening up yeah. the toolbox for players to move more efficiently with their own abilities. I don't think you're dumbing it down. I think you're you're painting maybe a clearer picture that allows the player yeah. to to kind of bring their own authenticity to their movement. Exactly. You know, instead of saying like, "Hey, you got to move six by two, and this is how you have to move, and you have to hit him at this number." Well, like you said, like if I'm the offensive line athlete, where's the margin for error in that discussion? Yeah, there's none. There's See, none, and yet, yeah. Yeah, like ahead, and, and sorry, sorry no, 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 no. I'm no, I'm glad because I'm, I'm. I hope I'm hitting on a real point here with you because I think you know you're saying to me guys are going to always move different on the field and and we can't live in that world of robotic nature because that's just not how the game's played. No, and I'm so glad you said that because what we end up is with the cream rising to the top. You know what I mean? So you, but the the beauty of this position is it's such a learned skill is that you could take the most average athletes and they can have a ton of success. But 
average athletes playing like robots does not equal success. So, you know, you got to let athletes express themselves. That's why I love center so much. Uh, center, you have the principles, but there's, you could, there's a little more leeway to cheat everything. And when you make centers, the way they play the game, it almost always matches the personality. Like, my two favorite centers growing up were Olin Krutz and LaCharles Bentley. And they were just violent. And they That's not terrible. like you're not saying LaCharles because you work for him, right? That's how I met him. I reached out to him because I was a fan. I, you know, and then I saw he was training some high school kids. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I, I Going back, I watched him play uh, at uh, UCLA when he was at Ohio State. So I've seen him play live, you know. And uh, But if you meet them. They're very intimidating guys, like Olin Cruz and Charles Bentley, and they play a very different way, but they have the same intent, and they, you know, they move people off the line of scrimmage, and their personalities absolutely showed on the field. And you see that with centers; it's a little different at the other positions because you have, you know, there's a lot more. You, there's a little more rules you have to stick to. Like center, you can really get away and really express yourself, but that's the point: is like offensive line athletes. We're still athletes let us express ourselves, you know, like it, you don't tell other positions. They don't even tell D line. Oh, I want this six inch step and all this roboticness. Like, Hey, that, that that's, that's not sports. Like, and you're taking away the opportunity from average athletes by standards of like speed and jump height and strength. You're taking away their chance of actually really uh, fitting in and, be, and gaining some real confidence and, and like getting some of the things this game has to offer people outside of football. No, and I love that you talked about movement as a means of expression and how yeah. how different players express themselves differently and you can see that in their movement. So let me so let me ask you a little we'll go we'll go a little metaphysical and then we'll bring it back uh, you know to everybody to something okay, more concrete. Yeah. But but getting a little outside maybe our own bodies for a moment. You talked about LaCharles and you talked about uh, Olin Krutz in there and how their style of play matched them. How can you unpack that maybe a little bit further? And and what do you think your style of play? What does that say about you? And and is there a connection? And what connection would you be able to do? I mean, listen, I'm not. This is not Barbara Walters. I'm not trying to get you to cry here. So yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm just as, I'm just asking you because I wonder because I do believe movement is authentic. We do believe that movement is authentic to the athlete. How do you think that does reflect? Now knowing LaCharles, obviously, and then obviously, how did your play reflect it? Yeah, so I mean, those are Olin with Charles, those are two intimidating guys in person, but their film is intimidating. They are, you know what I mean? And you could just tell they work hard and they play hard because just the way they, they're really trying to finish people within the rules of the game, too. They're not cheap players. And you know what? Those are guys in life. They don't take any shortcuts or anything. They just work and they're intimidating. You know, you meet those guys, they're pretty, you know, just just uh, shaking their hand. You can see like, hey, this if I had to if I had to fight these guys, hopefully I would never have to. Uh, it would be a long day or really short for me. You know, you never know. But like with me, I mean, I know what I am. I'm an average athlete. I'm an underdog. Uh, and I've owned that. I took responsibility for that. And I took a responsibility to overcome that. And you can see that on my film. I play really hard. Uh, I play through the whistle. I try to get guys on the ground. I'm really small, but I'm really strong. And, you know, but it, it shows up on film. Like, um, uh, I, I never, that was brought to my attention by a coach. Like, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but he said that when he met me, 
uh, after seeing my film from my previous year with Chicago, he was like, I knew I was going to like you because he was like, I tell you were a workhorse and I could tell you were trying to overcome uh, some things in life. And then once he understood like my background in my football, he was like, yeah, he's like, it made perfect sense. So I started always trying to connect dots like that of, hey, his personality showing up in their style of play. No, and and I think that what you're saying and the reason why we're unpacking this as deep as as I as we are is because I do believe that when you really think about sport and you watch offensive line athletes or any position on the football field, that their movement does represent them in some way in terms of who they are. Maybe it's not, you know, I'm not talking about who they are uh, character wise, integrity and all that. We don't, we don't really know those answers, but it does, but there is something elemental about the way they move, how they decide what choices they make, the way they behave that says something about their quality of play that goes, you know, just beyond the technical and tactical elements that are the game of football. I mean, is that fair or am I, am I, am I reaching here? No, I think you're spot on. And I, you know, because I get annoyed by, you know, the combines and stuff, especially like at the high school level. It seems like everyone's going to a camp. The film tells the story, you know, you, the film. And then you go meet the person, the child or the, the NFL player, or whatever that, you know what I mean? You'll see they match up, you know, and like the, you could I'm telling you, the guys that take like the most risk on the field, go meet them. They're confident people in real life, you know, so it, it definitely there's definitely a bridge between the two what you're going to meet in person, what you see expressed on the field. And I would argue that because there's that authenticity that probably is inseparable a little bit from the person themselves, it does really propel them into the types of solutions they look to solve the way they do problems. Like if you're, if you have a problem on a, on the field at offensive on the offensive line, meaning a, a player you need to block on a particular play call or, or anything to that effect, you're going to do what's kind of authentic to you. You're going to try to solve that problem in a very specific, you know, Taylor Boggs type of way. You're not going to try to do it the way, you know, Manny Ramirez did. You're not, you're just not going to, you're not going to kind of go that way. Does that make sense? Is that fair? And that, no, that's, that's awesome. That's spot on. And that's where we get lost. You know, we try to be, we, we don't, we try you know, and you, yeah. And honestly, that kind of starts with the, the coaching in the room because, it's, you know, if they have an idea, oh, there's only one way to play this game and it's where you got to be tough and you got to eat nails and all this kind of stuff, you're not going to be – that athlete's not comfortable being themselves, so you're not going to see their most honest expression. You're not going to see their best their best play. You could go watch film. There's many ways to play. You could go play like Trent Williams at left tackle, and where he's probably trying to hurt people, you know, within the rules of the game. And then you could go watch Joe Thomas, and he's just doing everything right. But they're both playing the game effectively. They both, pro- or you know, we know Joe Thomas is getting a gold jacket. Trent Williams very well might get one too, deservingly. And they play it completely differently. They play the game completely differently. They play it like themselves, and that's the key. And I, I, I hate when um. Uh, you know, in rooms where in, in rooms where you're told, hey, there's only one way to play football and you got to be this, you got to be that. The only thing you can be is be yourself. That's why you give some principles. And like I said, you dumb it down. You said we make it a little, you know, however you worded it first, but we dumb it down and give them the principles of movement and let them be themselves. And then the film will show it and you'll 
when guys are being themselves, they'll play their best ball. And and this is where, as we kind of get to the end of our episode, I want to kind of maybe bring this to some takeaways for the audience because we really did have a very big discussion here. And I think that there's a lot of things, a lot of different directions listeners out there might might want to go in in terms of not just applying this to their you know evaluative process, but maybe just applying this to what they're seeing on Saturday and Sunday. You know, when they're watching players and they're watching the way they solve problems on the field, whether it be on the offensive line or otherwhere, you know, or in other places, it seems like you're saying to me, we've got to really be aware that players are going to solve problems differently. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, we, we, even if the task is the same, even if you got to block the same guy, you're going to solve him differently. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Mawai just got in the Hall of Fame and he doesn't do anything like any other center prior to him in the Hall of Fame. You know, just that's an extreme example, but we get way too over what we can actually control or coach. It's, hey, you can do everything, you can teach them everything up until contact. And the contacts up to that player, that's the fight part that I talk about, the mm-hmm. fight. Obviously, you want to be like, hey, keep your head up and be able to see what you're hitting. But, that, you know, don't duck your head because of the safety implications and stuff. But other than that, like, you can't – you can only get them in the best position possible. And the rest of that, let the player express themselves, solve their problem, finish it, get the fight, however you want to word that. And and let me ask you then, so if we kind of talk about just to, to kind of begin drill down to, or not drill down, but maybe take a helicopter ride up to the, the big 35,000 foot view here. If I'm going in and I'm watching, you know, games this upcoming season and I see a pass play, are there general principles that that could help me understand the problems that an offensive, you know, an offensive line athlete might be facing on passing plays? Is there general principles that may help me better understand their task? Obviously, we don't want to get beat, but what does that mean? Like, is it like we want, we don't want to get, we don't want to concede space. We don't want to lose ground. What would be some of those general principles that might guide the offensive line athlete on, let's say, a passing down? I mean, there's so much going on in a play. Like, if you're on the road in the NFL or in college, like these college teams, I played a small school, Humboldt State. We had like 5,000 fans if we were lucky. So it's cool. You know, I could hear. It's still college football, though. It's still yeah, college yeah. football. No, Nobody's actually, conceding anything. Nobody's conceding anything. It's still no, college actually, football. They dropped it, so it's not. They just dropped football after ninety years. That's a whole other argument, though. No, <laughs> really. so it's not even college football anymore. But no, like if you're on the road, you're having to look in. You're having to see the center bob his head, and then you're having to turn back out to your tackle and get off the ball, or turn back off to the defensive end to get take your set. Like you're behind the eight ball. That's really difficult for one. Um, if your left tackle gave up pressure, you're running and you're that right tackle and your quarterback's going to have to start running right, a lot of times you end up giving the sack on a great set like you won. But because one person gave up pressure, the sack's on you. So, like, there's a little – there's so much going on with why it's a sack. Hey, the running back or, or everyone was uh, – covered and we were blocking for four seconds and now there's a sack that's not necessarily the o-line that's a team thing you know so there's so much that goes on the o-line like so many nuances and the things we do wrong like when you actually look at it you know i've seen i've I've personally watched a guy get chastised for giving up three sacks in a game but in film every one of them was on that it was the right tackle and every one of the sacks was actually given to the left tackle because it was his pressure that forced the sack you know so there's so much going on 
uh, in a given play like that we're going to get scrutiny for. And, you know, I guess we're built for that. We definitely have the shoulders for it. <laughs> well, no, I, I think this is fantastic. I think this is there's there's tons of gold here in terms of understanding how all these little nuances play a role in really shaping the problem that each play kind of has on the field for each player. You know, it's never the same problem. It's never the same, you know, set of circumstances. And everybody's trying to adapt in those moments. What about what about the run game? What about the run game? Are there any like, you know, how did, how what were your main principles when you approached the run game? It's the same thing. Like, you know, I got my stance. Everything I did was start with stance. And, and, and for everyone here, we always like, hey, the stance is the most important. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Like we have uh, – Football is an old sport, and we haven't been able to agree on what a proper stance looks like in offensive line play. Um, everything we say is rooted in biomechanics and physics, so what we build a stance on, and everyone's is slightly different because everyone's slightly different build, uh, perfectly and perfectly in their own way. And um, so, but for me, it's the same. I get my stance. I have a defender that's on my angle, and I'm going to drive. I'm going to. I have an uh, aiming point. You know, if it's outside zone, it's a little further outside from my aiming point. If it's inside zone, I'm, I'm going to bring it in a little bit. If it's a back block, you know, I have. I still have an aiming point, and I'm going to take my hips through that aiming point. I'm going to own my angle. You know, and I like to look at it as like you know, with the zones, whether it's outside or inside zone, I'm matching the angle that that running back's going on. You know, so the, the O line, the run game is very. It's so much a system because your angle literally has to match the backfield's angle. So the, it, there's there's a lot going on there too. You know what I mean? Like it, it's if you're if you're going on a more vertical angle than the running back, it throws off all the cutback angles. So the run game is a lot of nuances. Like I could talk run game all day, actually. <laughs> well, no, and I, and I think that that those are some of the things where you know naturally, you know when 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 you were on last year and then inviting you on this year. I mean. I love to keep it open, just like just like kind of like being at the line of scrimmage. You know, there's there's obviously a framework for our discussion, but where we went today, I think, was outstanding because not only did we talk about the different aspects of what's going on at within the problems of offensive line play, but just how authentic each offensive lineman really is in their own right and how their play kind of reflects that. Right. I mean, Taylor. Once again, man, absolutely outstanding material, and and I, thank you so much for being a guest. I don't want to monopolize your time. I know you have a, a large a large crew of of players waiting for you. Um, but just if we wanted to familiarize ourselves with you know offensive line performance, I, I know I'm a subscriber to your website. I love the content that's on that website. I that's generated. I've learned so much about offensive line athletes and offensive line play from the uh, OLP website, but if we wanted to get in contact with OLP or we wanted to get in contact with you, what are the best ways to do that? So, I mean, the, the, we have the website, lboonlineperformance.com. Uh, it's subscription-based. There's free stuff we put on randomly and stuff. We, so we have that. Uh, we have the OLP on Twitter, Instagram, Offensive Line Performance on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And then everyone here has uh, all the other employees, including uh, Charles. We all have our private accounts, but they're within OLP. Mine's T-Boggs. On Twitter, it's T-Boggs or at T-Boggs OLP. Well, again, I cannot recommend – first of all, Taylor Boggs is a resource – 
and as a coach, I can't recommend his content enough. He does an outstanding job. I see all of your videos. I see how many you're doing now. You're doing quite a number of videos as well. I love the content that's at OLP. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's outstanding. And if anybody is interested in offensive line play, even just coming from a place of you didn't play offensive line, heck, you're just interested in learning. They really do take you from beginning to advanced all in one place. And I think they do such a great job of instructing it. Taylor, thank you so much for being a guest on the Saturday Sunday Football Podcast. Uh, awesome, man. Appreciate you having me. It was a great time. Well, the, t- the pleasure, again, is always ours. And as well, the pleasure is entirely ours. And on behalf of Taylor, myself, and everybody at the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast, I'd like to thank everybody out there for listening and spending this time with us. I hope this discussion has shown you kind of maybe some of the problems on the offensive line and what they're dealing with on a lot of different levels when they're engaging. There is no specific way or technical model there's there's this kind of dynamic that's constantly unfolding and i think taylor did an outstanding job giving us a glimpse into that and i want to thank you all out there for listening and as this summer seminar series continues i hope you join us again as we take you from saturday to sunday